Hello and welcome back to the NUFC Opinion Blog for the first fan feature of the new series today. I'm joined by Chris Curry from True Faith Writers. Chris, how are you doing? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I'm absolutely fine. Thank you very much for joining me. So, Chris, I asked this to all my guests at this point, uh, sort of a big open question to start with. How did your love for Newcastle United begin? I do often ask myself that question every weekend as well, mate, <laughs> when, I'm, uh, <laughs> when I'm crying at the results. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, but we've had a chat about this before. So, so I was uh, born in Scotland originally, so my whole family are uh, Glasgow regions, half Rangers, half Celtic, my dad being mm. the Celtic side. I know, I know, there's a sore point there. Um, but I was moved down here, very young age, only about two years old. So in terms of uh, my football team, it was more my friends that kind of dictated you know, what was going on there. So, so by the time I was old enough to start kicking the ball and understanding football, you know, there was, there was a mixed bag of, of some of them were Liverpool fans because their, their dads were Liverpool fans from the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And then the Manchester United glory support and streak started to appear a little bit when, uh, you know, they started to win things. And mm-hmm. uh, obviously my core friends, thankfully, were all Newcastle mad. So, uh, so yeah, they kind of got some me sense in, mate. Got some <laughs> they did. Well, I don't know if that's questionable, they've got any sense, mind you. But, uh, sense but maybe they, not with the right <laughs> word, but they've got... <laughs> Yeah, they hooked me in, mate. They hooked me Fair in with me from there. So, no good. And so, obviously, you've been supporting for many years now. So, what would if you had to pick, maybe pick one or two best memories of supporting the club? What would you go with? An interesting one, isn't it? I mean, I, I've been very lucky to to enjoy the, the better days at Newcastle United as opposed to you know the the current shower of shite that you've unfortunately been served up mate for most of your time supporting the club but but obviously one of the one of the key bits that comes out obviously the you know the away 5-0 beating Manchester United 5-0 you know when we um you know when we'd lost the league to them the season before just that team you know the the way they played you know Shearer getting loads of stick from the Man U fans and then mm. scoring and then setting up Ferdinand's header and you know just that team in general was just fantastic but to 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 watch that game and to see that side you know, week in, week out, really, was 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 really impressive. Mm, yes, no, I can imagine. And and so, any players who stand out? Obviously, you could you could pick players from the Entertainers era or the Bobby Robson era. So, do you have any players that stand out for you as some of your favourites? It's weird, actually, because because I, I played as a defensive midfielder who uh, liked to stick a tackle or two on people and uh, and and spread the ball around if I could. So, weirdly enough, it's really unglamorous. But my, my favourite player that year was David Batty. Um, mm. which, which a lot of people kind of raise an eyebrow when I tell them, but I just loved the way he played. It was hard as nails, you know? I mean, he's just, he never shirked the tackle. I remember, I think it was a game against, was it Mets or something, when somebody punched him in the eye and he had a blood coming from his eye and he was still getting stuck in, and, <laughs> and, you know, you know, challenging for the ball. And I just loved the way that he played. And he was actually a lot better on the ball than, than people give him credit for. So I, I kind of, as a young guy, modelled my game a little bit on, uh, on Batty, which wasn't very glamorous, but uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was enjoyable to watch him play. And I think we could do with a play like that these days, mate, couldn't we? Oh, gosh, yeah, you, you, we'd love it. Speaking of these days, uh, the season hasn't exactly started brilliantly, has it? Understatement. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, obviously, we, and we go to Manchester United this weekend at the time of recording. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? God, my thoughts on that. Um, I'm just trying to remember if a team's ever been beat 10-0 in the league. I can't quite remember, actually, if anyone's got above the nine. Oh, so, we uh, love the optimism, don't we? <laughs> we, do, we? We do, Yeah, I mean, obviously, the season's been a dreadful start, really. I mean, we, we've documented it, you know, well, obviously, on your blog, mate, as well, as is, is, is what we do for True Faith. Um, you know, when you, when you lack ambition... And you just you consistently neglect the club like this regime has done and is doing. You know, you, you can't expect 
anything other than what we're getting served up. But but the biggest worry, I think, for me going into a game like Manchester United is we all know how far apart we are from that top four, six, you know, kind of echelon of the league. But watching Manchester United, Manchester City, you know, Liverpool to an extent, we're so far away, we might as well be in a different league or, or even two leagues below. And I just I just think that whether, you know, whether the main man plays or not, which is obviously the, you know, the uh, the circus side mm. s- side story, whether he plays or not is irrelevant. I just, I just think that we're going to get absolutely roasted by a, a very, very good Manchester United side. And I just can't say anything but a, but a defeat and a really bad one as well, Dan. Yeah. It's a shame, isn't it? Uh, gone are the days of Huawei 5 unfortunately. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah. Right. And, and, and so looking ahead to the rest of the season, obviously, I know we haven't started well, but how do you see it going? Do you see us dropping? I know, obviously, it's early days still, but that that R word relegation still gets brought up. So is, is that the way you see it going or, or, or do you think we'll survive by the skin of our teeth once again? It's funny, mate, because, I mean, you know, we spoke before. I'm a, I, I try to be more of a pragmatist than, a, you know, than kind of, a, you know, a, a doom and gloom merchant. But uh you know, you, you look at, like I said there, the squad we've got, actually the squad we've got in all fairness, I do think there's quality there. You know, I think when you look at yeah. some of the players, you know, you've got your some Maximums, your Wilsons, your, your Miggies, you know, even Fraser, I know he's, he's injured yet again. Um, you know, the, the defence, we've not got a bad team. I, I don't think we're any worse than your Brightons, your Wolves, you know, your Southamptons down there. But the, the, the biggest problem that we have is, is the manager. You know, it's, it, it, he's clearly he's clearly not getting enough out of those players to to put in performances against teams that we should beat. You know, and, and we've already played, you know, arguably teams that we should do a lot better against. We, we had a, I think when the fixes were drawn, we all thought, oh, that's not a bad start. That you know, West Ham, yeah. Villa, Southampton, and you, you're hoping to get at least two or four points out of those games, really. But we've been beat comprehensively twice. I know West Ham are doing really well, but. We haven't even gone anywhere near the bigger teams, you know, and we've got leads up after Manchester United. I think they're, they're capable of ripping us to shreds as well with their pace and their movement. Uh, if I'm honest, mate, I, I just think that unless something drastically changes in terms of the, the coaching of the, of the side and actually playing players in the right positions, I think we're, uh, we're, we're destined to go down, mate, mm. sadly. Yeah, that, and obviously you mentioned the manager there. If you could sum Steve Bruce up in three words, what would you pick? <laughs> Bacon, custard, I'm only joking. Uh, yeah. I would probably describe him as a footballing relic. It's mm. probably the three words I would use to describe him. You know, he's, he's, he's had a great career. You know, he was a really good player. Going back to what we were talking about, about early 90s. You know, Steve Bruce was the, you know, was the captain of Manchester United when they were winning leagues. You know, he was, he was a cracking centre-half, you know, alongside Pallister. You know, one of those players mm. that everyone still talks about, how did he not get in the England squad? Um, he was a good player. You know, when he came out to be a manager, you know, he went he went to like of Birmingham and Palace and stuff like that. You know, and once upon a time, he might have been, you know, I wouldn't say he was as good as Brendan Rodgers, but he was that kind of Brendan Rodgers type character of a young coach and everything else. But he keeps saying he's had 900 games. And mm. I think the more he says it, the more I think it just, it just kind of... Um, it quantifies what I'm saying there. He's a footballing relic. He's he's been in this game way too long. If he was a player, his legs would have gone, and you'd you'd retire him out, you know, and, and he would be replaced by a younger model. But when it comes to managers, I think they just hang on too long. And I think the game's passed him by. I think bringing in Jones last season, 
was a way to actually help them adapt to the tactics that people were adopting against them. And I think that's the only reason we managed to pull out some results mm. because we had some kind of an answer, uh, you know, to the opposing managers. And, you know, these weren't Pep Guardiola's or, or Jurgen Klopp managers. You know, these were, you know, your Sean Dyches, your mm. Scott Parkers and stuff like that. And they were totally coaching the arse off, Bruce. So I think without Jones coming in, he wouldn't have had that and we would have went down. So I think... You know, either you you loosen his influence on the side, or you get rid of him straight away, and you get a younger manager in who's got a bit more about. I wrote a piece for True Faith about this that I hate this line that people use where they say, "Oh well, you know, who else is going to take it? You know, uh, this is who we've got." And I don't accept that he's the best that we can hope for as a manager. You know, we're, we're not going to get that wonderful man behind you, Rafa Benitez, as he's got elsewhere. And we're not going to get uh, Kevin I've Keegan. Got, Everton manager has a post in my room, which I probably <laughs> should take down now, shouldn't I? Well, it should be. Stick, stick Bruce's face over it. But, <laughs> but no, we, we, um, we're not going to get a manager that ilk again. We were so lucky then, timing and, you know, everything else and Rafa wanting to be back close to home and stuff like that. We're not going to get lucky like that again. So I think the next stage for us has got to be a Graham Potter type character, mate. I don't know what you think about that. Well, it, well, that brings me neatly on to my next question, Chris, because I was going to ask if Steve Bruce was to go at any point this season, who is the type of person who you would like to bring or like to see come in? Yeah, but it's interesting, as I've just been saying there, we, I think we need a younger, progressive, more progressive manager stroke coach. I mean, I know we've got Graham Jones, but you know, I think a lot of guys have said, and Alex said it really well as well in the last podcast with Norman, that, you know, for true faith, that Jones has had a stint as a manager and it didn't mm-hmm. go very well. Didn't go, no, at Luton, no, didn't go well no, at all. It didn't. I mean, if you look at someone like Steve McLaren, a good example. You know, you you talk to some of the best players that this country's ever produced. You David Beckham's, your Paul Scholes, your Neville's, Michael Owens, Shearer's. He was a great coach, you know, with the cones mm-hmm. and everything else, but terrible manager. You know, and I think Jones potentially might be in a similar bracket that he's a great coach, but yeah. not a good manager. So in terms of, you know, the guys that I'd like to see, and I think if you had a nice bit of synergy as well with Jones, Eddie Howe is obviously a massive name straight away. He's available right now. I think the longer Howe is out of the game, the less people remember him. So I think he's he's going to get to a stage where he has to do something, you know, and it's weird with, with Howe and Frank Lampard, who's another guy that I would love to see come in. I think he works well with youth. You know, he's, he's worked well under, you know, kind of tight budgets like he did at Derby County. And I think he was unfairly dealt with at, at Chelsea, but this just shows you the sad reality of where we are as Newcastle United right now. I think both those guys are maybe waiting to see what happens with Patrick Vieira. If he gets the bullet at Palace, that's a ready-made job for them to come in. So potentially that might be an issue. But there's also you know Roberto Martinez as well. And I, I think all three of those managers, if they were just if they were given what they were promised, <laughs> which is a big, which is a big a if. big ass. <laughs> it's, a, it's a huge if under this regime. But I still think we're a huge club and I still think we're a big draw for a manager that if you can get it working here, if you can get it right here, and I hate to say stepping stone clubs, I hate being referred to as that, but if you can get it right at Newcastle United and get them, you know, top 10, maybe get them to win a cup, you could probably write your own meal ticket to another job. You know, once you do that, um, and I think all those managers with the right kind of backing and promises, I think they would they would take a bite at it. But I just don't know if they get there, mate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you mentioned the regime there. Now the thing that has plagued us in Newcastle for the last what eighteen months now is this takeover. Now I hate to keep mentioning it because at the minute it just seems dead in the water. But 
do you think it will ever happen this one or do you think it's really is time to move on and just accept that it's not happening or do you think there's still things rumbling on in the background that we just don't know about it's a strange one I, th- I think if i can answer it in two different ways as supporters i think we have to move on i think yeah. the, the, there's far too much division within the fan group of believers and non-believers you know it's, it's almost like flat earthers you know <laughs> i don't know who you be referring to there oh, well, I, won't, I won't drop it i won't drop any names but but you know it's, it's created a real toxicity and, and animosity within yes. a really within a really wonderful fan base i mean we're, we're from different eras of supporting the club but there's always been that unity of being a newcastle fan you know when you're a young guy and you go to your first game and you walk in the pub with all these big burly blokes they look after you oh come on young and get the ball and and that seems to be replaced with arguments of you yeah. don't believe take you don't believe a takeover's happening. You're a Mackham, get out. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And I, I just think that needs to stop, you know. But but the club have a responsibility to make that stop. You know that they could have stopped that by talking. <laughs> Mind you, after reading the last statement, it's probably a good thing they didn't talk. But <laughs> we asked for communication after 14 years, and then that's what we get. <laughs> we got a letter written in crayon by somebody's eight-year-old daughter. <laughs> but no, it's um. They could have came out and stopped that, you know, and then that, that kind of moves into the other side of it, that if Mike Ashley wants to sell to this to this consortium because they're going to give him the biggest chunk of change going and he's just written everybody else out, he needs to know that his case against the Premier League is, is so watertight mm-hmm. that he will that he will win it. Now, these, these are very important businessmen, Dan, that, you know, would never speak to the likes of us, you know, and I'm sure they don't. They don't do these things lightly, you know. The, I don't think the PIF would have dropped fifteen or seventy million quid into a deal that they, would, they were never going to be able to get done. So the, there has to be questions asked about that. But I think in terms of Newcastle United, at the minute we, we are just a zombie club. You know, we're, we're neither here nor there. We're in the middle. We're we're in a very competitive league where everybody's strengthened, everybody's improved their squads. You know, even in COVID, you know, I know there's there's obviously the statement referred to. The lack of money in COVID. I, I think we dropped something about 44 million off the revenue, I think it was. Um, you know, but other clubs have dropped similar amounts of money. They're still buying players, you yeah. know, for 10, 12 million quid. And you know, it's Ashley has to make a decision here as to what he wants to do because I think and again that goes into the manager situation as well. You're not going to buy a new squad, you're not going to drop hundred million quid, you know, on a squad in the transfer window unless you're bought by somebody. You know, you've got a squad to probably finish mid-table, but you've got a manager that's going to get you to finish bottom three right now. So he has a big decision to make as an owner as to mm-hmm. what he wants to do. But takeover-wise, mate, I think as fans, ignore it, shut all the noise, yeah. concentrate on what's happening on the pitch. But as a club, yeah, they, they need to figure out what they're doing. That's the thing, because this, the, the arbitration case is still yet to happen. Of course, it's now to happen in the start of the new year. So we shall see what happens with that eventually. But yes, I agree with you completely. On-field matters must take precedence for us, at least as fans. But <laughs> to sum things up then, obviously, as we know and as we discussed, Newcastle United at the moment is a zombie club, as, as you describe it. But in the future, what would you like an ideal Newcastle United to look like? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because uh, with the takeover, it's it's funny because I know a lot of Man City fans actually through, through my work, you know, because I travel around a lot and I've met a few... I would call them proper City fans. You know, they, they were at Gillingham away in the in the mm. League One playoff final, and then you know stuff like that, and Sean Goder and all this stuff. So they've been there, and then, and then they've been here. And I think some of them, when you talk to them, don't like what Manchester City have become. They, they feel like they've lost that soul of the club. You know, because they used to develop young players, bring them through the ranks, like so. You know, your, your Joey Bartons and your 
you know, your, your Vassells and Sturridges and all these guys and everything else, you know, uh, Mika Richards, you know, but when you've got that much money and you can buy the best players in the world, why, why not? But I would probably like to see, and, and you can appreciate this because, you, you know, you, you, you are old enough to remember this, um, the Bobby Robson era, which was a perfect blend of experienced, top quality players with youthful energy, you know, and I, and I would love to see a Newcastle United like that, where you've got a spine of a team, you know, whether, whether you've went out and bought them, you know, and I'm talking top class centre forwards, midfielders, goalkeepers, centre halves, and in and around that, you've got a nice sprinkling of, I would personally love to see players come through the academy, you know, and actually do something, you know, for years I've, I've watched on Liverpool, you know, Manchester United with, with envy, you know, you see mm. a Steven Gerrard come through or a, or a Scholes, you know, Michael Owen, Wayne Rooney at Everton, you know, and we just don't develop those players, you know, and I, that's a major problem. So a new look Newcastle United for me, yes, has to concentrate on the present and getting that playing squad better, but I have to look at the future, mate. I have to develop the young kids. Yeah, no, that's a very good answer. Really well put. I, oh, thank you, mate. <laughs> yes, very good indeed. That does some things up though. So thank you all very much for watching. Thank you, Chris, for joining me. If it's you want to pleasure. actually, I did forget to mention at the start, it's not just True Faith that you write for, but you also have your own little blog on YouTube. So if you'd like to do a little uh, plug. Oh, uh, yeah, thank you, mate. I really appreciate plug. that. <laughs> a little plug. Very well worked, mate. Very well. Yes, yeah, so, so obviously I am... Um, I'm involved with uh, the Slide Rule Pass blog uh, with my, my good friend Mark at, at Faz1981 on Twitter. So we, 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 I'm a Newcastle fan, he's a Villa fan, but we look at the, the whole of football as, as, a, as a kind of a whole entity. And it, it's sometimes nice to disappear from your own club for 10, 20 minutes and talk about somebody else's. But, uh, but yeah, so we're on YouTube, so check us out there. Obviously, we're on Twitter as well at SRP blog. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to have any, any new subscribers or, uh, or anyone wants to just check us out for a little bit. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Chris. Anyway, do really appreciate coming on the channel and that does wrap things up. So thank you all very much for watching. And how are you the lads? How are you the lads? Thanks, mate. Cheers, Dan. Cheers.